This is Patrick and Vanessa Zangardi, and you're listening to Demand and Brand. The podcast where we cover marketing trends and techniques to help you succeed in marketing. Uh, Marketing 2022 was kind of a doozy. And as we record this, we're right right about to be in 2023. Uh, So that's cool. That is cool. We, We saw a lot of change this year. We saw a lot of um, tomfoolery, <laughs> I suppose we can yeah. say, uh, with the mix of kind of back to life, more close to normal or pre-COVID normal, um, where people are returning to work, mm-hmm. businesses are evolving, mm-hmm. um, and we're seeing a lot of consumer um, I guess, change in terms of the way we like to be marketed to, the ways that we like to interact with brands. And it's really affected a lot of uh, ways that we do marketing and the way that we promote our brands. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because as anybody in the marketing industry can tell you, 2020 to 2022 will probably be a very blacked out period where it feels like we did nothing, but we did everything. And there's a little bit of, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to call it, but just a little bit of um, moving fast as the consumer changed pretty much everything we knew about the way that people were buying and researching and understanding and communicating and all that kind of stuff. So now as we come out of this or we, we change, right, we pivot, it's interesting to see what kind of kept the few things that have kind of kept, you know, for the past, let's say, five, six years. And then all the stuff that's changed and how we have to think of everything. Absolutely. We've seen a tremendous shift in consumer behavior mm-hmm. and in buyer confidence in the consumer world as well as in the business to business world. And so today on this episode, we're going to be talking about some of the trends that we will see either that we predict will either take off in 2023 or will continue to be important um, going into 2023. Yeah, yeah. I think as with anything, a lot of this stuff can be very nuanced. Absolutely. So right now we'll kind of intro it at the high level. And as things change, we'll jump deeper in an individual episodes to some of these. But we thought we would just kind of do a podcast just about trends, like Patrick said, things that we see that are kind of carrying over and then things that we see that will definitely ramp up in 2023 and beyond. So kind of have a long list. There's about eight with an honorable mention on here. Um, So let's get to it. So I turn it over to you. What's number one of a trend we'll see continue? So the absolute first trend that we're going to talk about today is omni-channel marketing. Love it. It's not a new trend, we'll be the first to admit, Mm -hmm. but it is something that is going to continue to be important. We speak a lot about the value and the importance of meeting your customer where they are Mm -hmm. as it relates to what media outlets or channels you're you're marketing or that you're participating in. But um, it also is going to be important to uh, provide commerce options on mm. multiple different channels as well. So let's speak first to the the marketing side of this omni-channel, and then we'll talk maybe to commerce yeah. a little bit there. Um, we always speak, as I mentioned a minute ago, about meeting your customer where they are and ensuring that you have a native message 
depending on the platform that you are um, are leveraging. Hugely important. So what we mean by native message, we mean create content that is specific to the channel. Um, create content that is specific to the type of experience the customer or the, the user of that platform is, is ready to see and would anticipate seeing on that platform. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we're not going to go out and do silly dances on LinkedIn. <laughs> maybe because, one day. <laughs> maybe someday. Because silly dances work on TikTok, right. for example. And you also might not see any real traction if you share long-form text content on a platform like um, Instagram. Like Instagram. Yeah. It, it, these are visual platforms. So you want short, um, kind of, I don't want to say buzzy in the negative word, but punchy. short, punchy, buzzy content on platforms like Instagram or TikTok, and maybe a little bit more heady content or more uh, nuanced content on a blog, a podcast, an email newsletter, and so on. So you could have the same overarching message and theme, but create and tailor your content for what they are, uh, for what the audience is looking to experience on that platform. Yeah, totally. Now let's talk a little bit about how that relates to sales and what we're seeing for omni-channel on things like Instagram and things like that for e-commerce, because I think this is cool. Absolutely. So in B2B, business-to-business marketing, the primary way to buy is, and always has been, it's evolving, but always has been, uh, you send an invoice, you get a check written back to you, and you provide the service or you you sell the product, right? Mm-hmm. Well, with the rise of e-commerce, with the rise of social commerce mm-hmm. and things like Stripe and PayPal and e-commerce uh, websites like Shopify, making it so easy to be able to sell virtual or digital goods as well as physical goods, mm-hmm. um, business-to-business marketers are now able to provide uh, transactions or, or commerce in ways that we never were able to before. Mm-hmm. So, um, for example, our business, we primarily sell through invoicing, right? We invoice a customer for services. We provide that service. However, we've started to provide um, for some of our more repeatable services like a consulting session or uh, maybe a, a photography session or something that is maybe more just bite-sized, less nuanced, less complex or custom, we can provide a payment link via an email or via a, um, a page on our website where they can just go ahead and pay right there, sign up for a consulting session uh, and putting it right on our calendar and we could get everything set up without the kind of back and forth of sending an invoice and getting a check in the mail and then you get it taken care of. It's it's a lot more uh, clean to provide these digital commerce methods. Platforms like uh, Meta or Facebook are also allowing for e-commerce companies to upload their product inventory or their services inventory to their ad center mm. Um, which is shared by Facebook and on Instagram. And it allows you to buy a product or a digital good or service via the app. So omni-channel marketing and omni-channel retail is something that is going to um, enable the the audience, the customer, to continue to, I guess, just be more embedded in their platform or their media of choice, whether they want to shop and interact with you on Instagram or on Facebook or on on your website we should be able to provide them the marketing content that they come to expect and want, as well as the ability to transact or provide 
uh, or, or purchase something from you on that platform as well. Yeah, I think this will also be interesting. And as I learn more, and we, Patrick and I talk about this, and we'll do later episodes on this, but I think it's cool to think about how this is setting the stage for meta and Web3, like metaverse, not meta, their company, metaverse and Web3. So confusing, right? I know, so confusing. But how this kind of sets the stage for all of that and how you will interact with businesses and brands and retail and stuff in the shorter than people like to imagine future um i mean we were just watching a show today where there were um cgi dancers with regular dancers and it was like a kid-friendly show i think it was on disney plus or netflix and they're now incorporating cgi right on the stage so like all these things are setting the stage for meta the metaverse and web 3 so i'll be curious to see what this looks like for that so stay tuned for that Okay, we went off on a tangent. We're going to have to do a whole episode on Omnichannel and the customer journey map, which I think we've already been slated to do. So subscribe, obviously. Make sure you follow us, our newsletter, so you know when this all comes out. Um, Okay, the second thing I think that we're going to continue to see, and I think it's going to also impact the customer experience, which is kind of like two and three, is personalization of any kind of interaction for the consumer. And I also think this ties again back to the metaverse and Web3. There is so much data out there in ways that even though marketers, if you're on the marketing side, know that we used to be able to get so much information about people. It was kind of scary. Now we can't, thank goodness, but we can still get a ton of information about our customer. So there's really no reason why big businesses can't really take personalization and run with it and really create content experiences, the whole thing that really make the user feel like it's just them being talked to or just them being serviced. Like you would go to Saks, you know, probably still now, Nordstrom probably still now, and get that really tailored one-on-one experience with someone shopping, B2C, but we can take that and we can take Nod and then use some of those same types of things and create custom experiences even digitally so that that consumer really has a great experience. Absolutely. So when we're thinking of personalization as it relates to marketing and content marketing, we're thinking of things like unique or individualized ads um, or, or banners mm-hmm. on a website based on maybe your industry or the type of job role or business that you're in. We're talking about things like um, personalized direct mail being sent to you based on an activity that maybe you've done or interacted with a brand. These things make it so that it feels much more, as Vanessa said, much more personal, much more unique, and much more, I guess, friendly and um, and clear to the consumer. Yeah, yeah. And that ties directly into an elevated customer experience, I think, too many retailers, and I sometimes go off on tangents on this. There are some retailers out there that are really creating customer experiences that just blow me away time and time again. And one of those that I'm going to talk about probably at length is Coach, the purse company, accessories, we'll call them. They have done a complete rebrand. They're like the new girl on the scene, and I love it. But it feels familiar because obviously any millennial, you know, Gen X, Boomer, we're all familiar with Coach, right? They kind of became something you didn't think of and then all of a sudden they're back on the scene again and they delivered 
an email that had a virtual storefront for someone to shop. And so that customer experience blew me out of the water because talk about forward thinking, talk about trying to connect with people where they are, right? They, I'm sure, looked at their customer data, saw that a significant amount of people were still purchasing online despite being able to go into stores now, right? You know, if you look at their data, I'm sure it's skewed a little bit different 2020, 2021, 2022. But even if they're comparing it to last year, they probably have seen that a lot of people still prefer to shop digitally. So what they did is they created this beautiful, cozy storefront where someone could just virtually shop, feel like they're there, all on their phone or their computer. And I just was like, talk about just really meeting people where they are. So what blew you that, like what, what, what about that blew you away? So I think it was the fact that I felt like the experience of shopping in the store was not lost to people who can't or won't go into stores. So it was like, hey, they thought of the people that, you know, aren't able to go into the store. So I thought that was very accessible, which I always think is very fantastic. And for the people that just didn't want to or didn't have the time or whatever to do that, that they didn't lose out on that fun shopping experience just because they weren't physically going into a store. So they really took the time and care to understand their audience, in my mind, and then create a beautiful virtual shopping experience that I'm sure increased the units sold compared to when you shopped before on their website where you just look at the purses, you'd see them on, you'd see suggestions for bags and accessories. Like you could see it in the store, so I'm sure it increased their units per transaction sold, which is obviously a huge metric for um, retail and things like that. So I thought that that was such a way to, as I go off on a tangent, really elevate the customer experience. And then on the other end of it that sometimes frustrates me is like, you know, people who follow me sometimes see I post my um, outfits and fashion. I have fun on my personal accounts. And sometimes I'll try to tag brands and the shoes that I'm wearing or the pants that I'm wearing. We've got these mega brands out there that just have no e-commerce site, no user experience like that, just assuming people are going to go into the store, but then don't spend the effort to come up with customer experience in the store. Yeah. So what I took away from that is with Coach, the example of their digital virtual um, shopping room center, is it surprised you and it delighted you. Mm-hmm. And that, I believe, is because it's a novel concept. Mm-hmm. So Coach took this idea, this novel concept, and introduced it to their audience who who had fun with it. Yeah. They may or may not have purchased, but they had a great brand experience, just like walking into the boutique, you know, when you're on Fifth Avenue or if you're, you know, going shopping in, in, a, in a, you know, kind of, higher end mall or boutique sometimes you just love to go in and see it with your own eyes and that in itself is a novel experience that gives you a taste of what that brand is all about Mm -hmm. and so coach did that in a way that didn't require you to actually be there so it surprised you it delighted you you may or may not have purchased anything but even if you didn't coach was then able to see through their their data and their analytics what people did you know did they come back Um, perhaps were they able to, um, convert somebody in an email, you know, later on, on something that they looked at, which all brings back this notion of personalized customer experiences. Yeah. And the, the opposite where we're talking about the, um, bad shopping experiences or the non-omni-channel experiences where you might want to buy something you saw on Instagram, but you can't 
because then you have to go to their website and you have to search and then the user experience on the site is trash. It turns you off of the brand. Yeah. So this all kind of, to me, just speaks to the value of doing something new, exciting and novel when it's available and applicable to you, but also thinking about the audience and doing it for them, not just doing it as a way to increase sales, but do it for the customer. Yeah, yeah, putting that customer as the focus, which we talk often about, because sometimes marketing gets away from that, it becomes self-serving, and we need to really focus, especially because of personalization, customer experience, and all that, back to what would the customer want? What would the customer do? How does this make the customer feel really becoming the customer? So that you can understand how they'd get to you with the omni-channel, what they want, what they are expecting on the platforms, all the things that we've kind of spent the past, you know, 15 minutes talking about, all that ties together. So that's really cool. Agreed. Yeah. So we'll, you know, all that aside, we're going to just touch lightly on number four because this is something that we will talk at length about. (laughs) Time and time and time again, and you can find us all over LinkedIn talking about this, but something that's not going away is content and content marketing. Creating valuable, informative content is timeless. Mm -hmm. It's something that, um, it's certainly not new, content marketing. We've Mm -hmm. been talking about this for years and years and years, but it's, I think, evolving in 2022, and it's evolving even more as we kind of, you know, change the calendar over to 2023. So kind of in the old days, content marketing really meant low value, keyword stuffed blog posts that may or may not have actually done anything. Today, we're thinking of content marketing in an entirely different way, and it's all related to that customer journey, that omni-channel marketing approach. We're thinking of content that is extremely valuable that solves very precise or specific problems that an audience might have. We're talking about short form, like mobile first video content, Mm -hmm. Um, things like you see on TikTok or on Instagram or YouTube shorts. Um, The key when it comes to content marketing is you want to be specific. You Mm -hmm. don't want to be broad. Yeah. And then when it comes to content marketing too, trying to always have it with the lens of Am I adding value? Mm-hmm. I don't need to be selling. I don't need to be having a car salesman commercial. Come on down, buy today, right? Like we don't need that at every possible interaction because you're going to turn any more significant amount of your audience off yeah. from that forced door-to-door vacuum sales, car sales, no, no dog in anybody in car sales. That's a hard job anymore, but... You know, like that kind of notion and that nod to that old persona there. So we don't want to do that. Don't don't want to do that. You want to add value. But then that leads us into five and six. Five being video marketing, which is not going anywhere. If anything, that is way ramping up on all platforms, even including LinkedIn I've been seeing lately. And then just social media marketing in general. I mean, video, if you Google anything, and I tried this today, on desktop and or your phone, if you Google a topic or something, some kind of question, you will get a tab at the top that will allow you to look for videos if you're on a desktop. It's like the second or third thing on there. Or if you search on your phone, it just serves you videos right in your search. So I mean, there, YouTube, Google, TikTok, everything like that, Instagram Reels, we're trying to figure out what they're trying to be there, are just really doubling down on video. Absolutely. Video is the quickest way to get a point across or audio, I guess, is uh, you could say is, is, is just as quick, but video and audio pair together so well. 
Um, so video content is a great way to cut to the chase and just, you know, get your, your message out and people love it. Yeah. I mean, TikTok, right? Yeah. Like it's very engaging. It's very informative. You can have fun with it. You can show your personality, which is very important, especially if you or your team don't service clients and customers in your exact area, right? It gives you ability to showcase off personalities and people like to do business with who they like, know, and trust so they can see you, hear you. Then all of a sudden they get on the phone with you and they're like, oh my God, it's you. You sound just like you did on that video or whatever that, that builds that authenticity and that authentic connection. And people do business with who they like, know, and trust. And speaking of Doing business with people they know, they like, and they trust. That's why social media is not going anywhere no. in 2023. No, no. The amount of times that we've had this conversation with um, an organization that says, you know, we sell whatever, industrial X, Y, or Z. We don't need social media. And then we, we look at their audience and we look at the content opportunities on social. And we say, well, people are out there asking for it. Why aren't you there being a thought leader? Why aren't you there leveraging the attention that these platforms are garnishing for your specific type of product or service? So, um, you know, social media is just not going anywhere. You may have to, you know, pick and choose and be choosy of what platforms you spend your time on. And you should be. You should. You certainly should be. But it's absolutely something that every brand needs to be looking at. I mean, so this goes back to what we said a few minutes ago of marketing becoming self-serving, right? We get pushback sometimes because people think two things, right? It's time consuming. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's people's full-time jobs. It's a majority of kind of what I do for us and our clients is content, social media, and all that kind of stuff like that. The other part is thinking, well, my audience isn't on there. Well, I mean, do you spend time on any social media on your downtime? That's that's the bridge we're trying to to really connect there is like, Yes, you may not think it's important, but if you spend time on social media and your downtime in any capacity, or you know your audience is a subset of people that do, like you need you need to be there. You just need to be talking to them. That's like standing in a room full of people and just not choosing to speak to them because you just you don't want to. Like, sure, sometimes it's time consuming and hard, but why would you not take that opportunity to stand in front of a room of people and kind of tell them about what you do and, and why you add value? So Absolutely. And just to that um, kind of analogy of standing in a room, nobody wants to be in a room with somebody that has a bullhorn saying, I sell blah, 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 yeah. over and over and over, buy this, buy this, buy yeah. this. What they want to do is they want to have conversations with people. Yeah. So we encourage you, if you're just getting started on social, to you kind of Think for your, your content strategy about being engaged in a conversation, answering questions, mm -hmm. providing your insights um, and, and your, your content in a more organic and natural way like you would at a cocktail party and not going out and saying, I sell X, Y, or Z, come buy it for me today. Yeah, and if you do want to have a big platform and talk to a lot of people, that's where you lean on your expertise or subject matter expertise. So you could be in this hypothetical situation that we speak of with this room. You could be on stage talking about something, but that should be, hey, here is this problem. Have you had it? Did you think about these solutions? Or something along those lines where you're just adding that value to people and getting them to kind of say, oh, yeah, I have had that happen. I have had that problem. Oh, I do feel like that. Or... I don't want to feel like that. All those kind of emotions that we try to kind of play into with marketing. Totally. 
So that leads us to number seven, which is important, but I think it's different than we've thought about it before. So this, the coming of the seventh, if you're keeping track, um, trend we see continuing into 2023 is using influencers to spread and use, spread your message and use their networks for growth of your own brand or business, right? But so influencers aren't new. It's got a new name, but it's basically like celebrities used to endorse products and services and cars and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? We just changed that in the past five to eight years to influencers on specific platforms and industries. Then they became very big and their their audience became oversaturated, you know, algorithm change or whatever. So now I think when we think of influencers, we think of them in different ways where we're looking at more micro and nano influencers who maybe don't have the half a million followers on their social platform or in their area, but the community they've created is so engaged and so attentive and so thoughtful and so community-based that those micro and nano influencers, I think are what we're going to see as the next trend of influencer marketing that kind of comes and that's tied into social media and stuff like that. What I love about influencer marketing is it allows for you to align with somebody who, as you said a minute ago, has an audience already mm-hmm. and, and an engaged audience. And it allows for you to kind of you know align with that person um, or those group of people. So if you can find an influencer in, which by the way, they're in every target market and vertical out there mm-hmm. that aligns with your brand values and has an audience and you're able to leverage it, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, and this really ties into the customer journey map anymore and how the customer journey isn't a funnel. It's omnichannel. It's a map. It's, you know, think of a city map. There's multiple ways to get into the center of the city. So, like, looking at it that way. I mean, people are in and out of research constantly. The availability of information at people's fingertips is astounding. But what they've done, as we see in the data, is they continue to go back to that peer group, that community, those people like them that they already know on TikTok, on LinkedIn, wherever they are, and they will read and they will pull and they will ask, what do you think I should do? What have you done? Does anybody have this problem? So adding value, being out there, spreading your message, all that kind of stuff that we alluded to before and that we'll talk about probably till we're blue in the face, (laughs) all that stuff plays into this idea that your audience is coming in and out. So in this case, why not use influencers who already have a trusted network and they trust that person to then partner with and say, hey, can you help me spread my message and add value to your audience? Because their audience of the influencers will then say, wow, this person I trust, influencer, says that this could be a solution to my problem. I never thought about that. And then you've got, you know, a whole lot more eyes on you, your business, your product, your service, whatever it is that you can really leverage. Um, And you can build brand loyalty with already loyal consumers. Totally. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's an important strategy that I think I speak for both of us when we say we urge you to consider it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then the last one we'll talk about, and then there'll be one honorable mention that we're going to continue exploring this year, which uh, the honorable mention, you know, is a pretty cool thing in my mind. So the last thing is artificial intelligence. And I'll kind of turn it over to you because I've just talked a ton about my area of expertise, which is content, social marketing, all that kind of stuff like that. But what we love about artificial intelligence in the context of marketing is that it helps you to do more with less. Mm-hmm. So 
um, artificial intelligence is um, and machine learning overall is just really going to transform marketing as we continue further into this decade. Um, ways that AI is being leveraged now is um, it's astounding. It goes as far as creating um, content mm -hmm. to analyzing customer data and like providing insights on how people are interacting with your brand online. Mm -hmm. um, can also use it to automate tasks um, and create on-the-fly assets like um, social media ads or, or banner ads based on um, customer personas, based on personalized data from your, your audience. And so it frees up your time as a marketer or as a business owner so you can focus on more strategic tasks and less on the more kind of you know, maybe tedious or time-consuming tasks that you know, could be... Um, automated via AI or other technologies out there. So it's a great way for you to get a little bit more out of your time. And a practical example of where AI is being used quite a lot um, in today's day and age is in customer support, in chatbots, mm -hmm. in things like answering frequently asked questions or even analyzing maybe support tickets to understand what are the frequently asked questions. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to have a human define that anymore, you can leverage automated um, interfaces and AI to do that for you. And then you can really delegate some of those more menial tasks. Yeah, it helps to be able to market smarter, not harder. Absolutely. So that backwards that way. So the last one we're going to round out, this is number nine. This is the asterisk the honorable mention. I think it's important to note the increase of voice search and how that is being used and kind of what that means. So voice search is, um, it's growing thanks to the use of things like Siri and, um, you know, Hey Google and Alexa. I'm surprised none of our assistants or voice I assistants popped up looked right around there. for that. But um, as people are searching now using voice and hands-free, whether they're in their car or if they're using one of these, you know, kind of speakers, um, it's going to change the way search engines um it's going to change the way search engines collect data and the way that they provide responses or results to queries. So um, as marketers, I would really recommend that we consider how are voice searching, uh, how is voice searching going to be affected by you know, my content? And so something that we can do to provide uh, a better, I guess, experience as it relates to voice search and voice SEO is to create your website and optimize your website with that in mind. Create long tail keywords on your website and use content and, um, and language that is more natural and sounds more like a spoken voice because that's the way people search when they're using a voice app. They're, they're searching as a question. They're not searching as a keyword. Um, so this type of, of data is only going to help as it relates to voice search, which is a growing uh, methodology. Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting. I think I heard Gary Vee talk about this a few years ago, but again, I believe he has a marketing profit somehow um, because he just he's got his finger on the pulse on a lot of things. And then he also knows when he made a mistake, which I think he talked about not buying into Uber or something. One point I think that's his big one, yeah. I digress. So that's kind of where we've seen marketing trends go from 2022 ramping into 2023. I think that we probably talked your ear off about a lot of nerdy stuff for this past 30 or so minutes. 
what do we want? Is there anything that we want to leave? I know we left a lot of nuggets to the listeners right now. Is there anything else that you want to add before we sign off on this? I think with marketing, it's easy to go straight for tactics. And a lot of our list is tactical today. But the, the nugget or the last piece of wisdom that I would like to leave is when you're thinking of marketing, you should really think more about strategy and think more about the, uh, the reasons behind the tactics, like why you're doing one thing over the other. So if you think holistically about your marketing and about your audience, you will be much better served than if you go straight to tactics. Yeah, yeah. And I'll say take some time to explore some of these and have fun with them. That's the way that you're really going to elevate your marketing and enjoy marketing is taking some of these things and saying, oh, I never thought of that. And just carving out time weekly or monthly just to explore these types of platforms and this type of marketing uh, talk and strategies and tactics and just see what can work for you, what excites you and what you can have fun with. So I love that being playful. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes as marketers, we get really focused on, you know, like not being the, the data scientists that we actually are and not having the hypothesis that we, we, you know, should have because, you know, for too long, it's been all this conversation of what are the ROI? What's the data? What's the data? What's the metric? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Now I think we can change that conversation, you know, with people across the industry and say, hey, marketers need to have a hypothesis. We need to kind of test it and see, especially now when the sky's the limit. It's a perfect way to cap it off. Well, the sky's you. the limit. We're rolling into 2023 and let's shoot for the moon. Yeah, yeah. As always, make sure you subscribe so you know when we drop new episodes. This is the Demand and Brand Podcast with Patrick and Vanessa Zangardi from Zangardi Studio. To learn more about us, you can find us at zangardi.com. We are both very, very present on LinkedIn. You can find Patrick at conveniently Patrick Zangardi on LinkedIn. And I am conveniently Vanessa Zangardi on LinkedIn as well. And then you can find Zangardi Studio on Instagram. We do a lot of training there and then TikTok also. So we're a lot of places. We want to give out the marketing information you need to make marketing fun and accessible and something you can do in this new year. You can do it.